All right, I just want to walk down through what we've been talking about. We've had some other things going on, so I'm, I'm back here and I'm plowing ahead with what I feel that God's telling me to lay down for this year. I'm not trying to do it in completed sermons. I'm just simply having a conversation with you as we watch God build and build and build. So, but I've seen a breakthrough in my own home and my own family this year, uh, this week already, just, just conversations. And I'm finding that God's bringing to me other people as well that have left the church and just have been disconnected, just felt the church wasn't for them and yet been sitting down and having conversations with them and it's as though things are opening up to them. And quite honestly, I'm having very similar conversations with them that I'm having with you. But it's like the whole reality of the kingdom of God, his plan and his purpose. I had uh, one young man, I was talking to him for a while and then sat down and each time I just, I, I want to go where the question is that they have rather than me trying to lead where it is that I want to go. I want to find out where the hunger is, where the question is, and then just go in there and begin to move further. So there was a, an authentic question that was asked, which was, okay, I, I hear you, I hear what you're talking about, and I, under, I understand, I can, actually, I can actually see in history God's footprint on Israel, so I can see a manifestation in the reality of our day of God actually at work in history, because his foot is on that piece of property and that land and that people, which are actually a part of his ongoing plan, which has been prophesied since the beginning of time. I mean, it's, it's just, it's a prophetic word that's going. So if, if this is happening in the natural f- sphere of kingdoms, then what's happening in the spiritual realm that you can't see? So just awakening the mind, right? Then the question that was asked was, okay, I can see all of that, but how does all that fit into my life? Oh, yeah, a really, really good question. So then I stopped and I said, wrong question. You see, if God's footprint is there and his hand is on history from beginning to end and he has a plan and a purpose which he has predicted and which he had actually put into place before the beginning of time and if there is a spiritual realm that is at work in be- behind what you can see in the natural realm and what's happening in the kingdoms of our world, if that is taking place, the question isn't how God fits into your life. The question is how you fit into his plan. Because this is a whole lot bigger than you. And the question is, if God's kingdom, if his reign, if his purpose and his plan is moving towards an end goal, a culmination, and if there is opposition to that plan, if there is an altar kingdom that is also at work, which one are you aligned with? This has nothing to do with how God fits into your plan and what he's going to do for you. This has to do with are you aligned with his lordship and with his kingdom? And where are you going to fit in relationship to his eternal plan and purpose? Now, why did I bring that up? Because the same question holds true for you. 
It's not, again, whether or not I attend a church. The question is, where are you in relationship to his rule, his reign, his lordship? Where does your life align with that? So I, I just thought I'd have a light, humorous introduction, tell a joke maybe, get everybody laughing, warm you up to the idea that I'm going to speak on something more serious. All right. So, Father, open our hearts. <laughs> what I have come to understand in talking to others is what I'm speaking to you, and I'm doing it in my own flavor, in my own way, but it's being trumpeted all over the place. The herald of the kingdom coming. The prepare ye the way of the Lord. It's being heralded all over the place. And so I just, I just want to walk this through with you. These are things I've already spoken to you about. So I'm going to walk through them quickly. If you want to hear them more in depth because you weren't here, you can go back through past sermons. Jesus Christ, the apostle, the high priest, the only one sent from heaven, the only one sent from God the Father. He's sent from heaven. So in John chapter 8, it says, You are from below, but I am from above. You are of this world, but I am not of this world. He was sent by God. So Jesus says in John chapter 8, If God were your father, you would love me, for I have come here from God. I've not come here on my own. God sent me. He is the apostle of our faith. He is the one sent from heaven to establish the kingdom of God here on earth. He is the Messiah. And Matthew 1, 1 starts off with, this is the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, the son of God, the son of David, the son of Abraham. He came from heaven as the apostle, Jesus the Messiah, to announce, to teach, and to demonstrate the kingdom of heaven. And I want this to stay in our minds, the reality of the kingdom of heaven. John 3, 1 and 2 says, In those days John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He was the last of the old covenant prophets. He was, as far as his placement before the coming of Christ and his assignment to announce the Messiah has now come on the scene. There was no one greater. Okay, but Jesus said anyone in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. We are the ones that are actually in this realm called the kingdom of heaven. But he announced the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And once he went off the scene, it says after the arrest of John, this is in Mark 1.14, after the arrest of John, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom the time is fulfilled, and he said, and the kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news. It's the good news of the kingdom of God that is here and now. The realm of God's reign exerting itself on planet earth. God's reign has always existed. It's the eternal kingdom. It's always existed in the heavens. His throne is established in the heavens. It is forever. But God gave the dominion of earth to man. Man surrendered his dominion in the garden to the deceiver. That dominion has been usurped 
the enemy, the deceiver, the opposer of all that is good, has laid hold of that and become the prince of the power of the air. He was able to say to Jesus, all these kingdoms I will give to you. And Jesus didn't argue and say, you don't have them. He said, if, Satan said to Jesus, if you will bow down to me. But we read in Revelations, the day is coming when the kingdoms of this earth will become the kingdoms of our God and of his Messiah. And he will reign. So the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now, if you had my incredible PowerPoint in front of you, you would have at the top of the screen on this side the word Messiah. Just picture it there. And I just want to go down through. I've talked to you about this before. The Messiah, immediately after the fall of man, when man forfeited the dominion that he was supposed to walk in on this earth, immediately there was the prophecy given regarding the seed of the woman. God said, I'm going to put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. So immediately there's the prophecy about one coming who is actually going to crush the head of Satan. And then later on, God chose a man, a man named Abraham, and made a covenant with him and a promise that through his seed, all the nations of the world would be blessed. Genesis 22. So he said to Abraham, Indeed, I will greatly bless you, and I will greatly multiply your seed as the stars of heaven, and as the sand which is on the seashore, and your seed shall possess the gates of your enemy. And in your seed, all the nations of the earth will be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. So understand, God's heart is nations. God's heart is nations. So one is going to come that's going to crush the dominion of Satan over the nations of the world. One is going to come through whom all the nations of the earth would be blessed. This is prophecy about the Messiah, the Anointed One. And then we have Isaac, the child of promise. We could unpackage that for a while. We have Jacob who wrestled with God, whose name was changed to Israel at that time, out of whom the nation of Israel came. We have Jacob's sons, and one of his sons, it was said of him, the seed of Judah. It says, a scepter will not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from between his feet, until he to whom it belongs shall come. Yea. And the obedience of the nations shall come to him. We're talking about the lion of the tribe of Judah, the one you saw sitting on the throne in Revelations chapter 5 as though he was a lamb that was slain, the one and only one worthy to open the seals, to bring judgment against upon all evil, and to restore the kingdom of God. This is the Messiah who is of the seed of Judah. And then from Judah's line, we have King David. And King David, a man after God's own heart, and God promised him that there would be a descendant that would come from his line, and his throne would be established forever. This is the way it was said to him through the prophet Nathan. The Lord declares to you that the Lord himself will establish a house for you. This is when David wanted to build a house for God. God said, stop, I'm going to build a house for you. 
And the Lord declares to you that the Lord himself will establish a house for you when your days are over and you rest with your ancestors. I will raise up your offspring to succeed you, your own flesh and blood, and I will establish his kingdom. He is the one who will build a house for my name and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. Crush Satan's head. Bless the nations of the world. Take up the scepter and rule over the nations. Establish a kingdom of righteousness and justice over the nations forever. This is the Messiah, Jesus. Matthew 1.1 This is the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. I want you to understand part of what we lose, we lose things in words. Communicating with words is always a problem. We lose things in words, and even while we're trying to make words easier, we lose things in words. So one of those words is the word Christ. It means the anointed one, which is actually speaking of the Messiah. Jesus, the Messiah, the anointed one. The seed of the woman, the seed of Abraham, the seed of Judah, the seed of David. Jesus, the Messiah. Now understand, it is Christ who lives in you, the hope of glory. It's the Messiah who lives in you, the hope of glory. God has given Christ to be head of the church. It is the Messiah who is the head of the church. Therefore, if we're going to understand anything about who we are and what we're called to do, and we're going to stop playing church, and we're going to start being the ecclesia, the called out ones, we're going to need to understand our relationship with the Messiah, with his purpose, with his call, with his rule, and with his reign. Then we will truly understand what it means to walk under his anointing, under his power and his authority, and we'll stop using these as toys, the gifts, the calling, the miracles, the signs and wonders. They will stop being toys that kids play within the four walls of their playpen, and we will actually be taking this anointing and using it and walking in it with authority and power to establish the kingdom of God and to assault every work of the enemy. So we're moving towards, my assignments are continuing to be to activate a church to walk in the anointing, to see the kingdom of God expanded. And I believe we're going to see it increase, increase, increase. Okay, there's a maturity that's coming with it, though, and there's a foundation that's coming with it. So we have this line of the Messiah coming all the way down from the very beginning after the fall, coming all the way down and being seen and announced with the coming of Jesus the Messiah, who came to announce, to teach, and to demonstrate the power of the kingdom and then to open its doorway for us to come in. Now, if you also had my incredible PowerPoint in front of you, you would have on this side, this side was the word Messiah, coming down to Christ. In the center, the word apostle, coming down to Christ, sent from heaven, established the kingdom. On this side, we have the word kingdom. And we're coming down now again to culminate 
in the coming of Jesus the Messiah. You can see that now, eh? All streams flowing together. Good. So kingdom. First of all, we have Israel as a nation who was called to express this kingdom. They were to be a kingdom of priests to our God. Now you remember in Revelations, there's this song that says, that Jesus Christ, the Lion of the tribe of Judah, the Lamb that was slain, the one who's worthy to open the seals, he has redeemed us from every nation, tribe, tongue, and people, and made us to be a kingdom of priests to our God. So somehow what was originally in place for Israel as a nation, they failed to walk in. And now in Christ happening among those he has redeemed. This is fulfilled. But originally it was said regarding Israel in Exodus chapter 19, 5 and 6. It says, Now therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice. Well, there they blew it because they said, Moses, you go hear my voice. You go hear his voice and come back and just give us rules. That's why today, if you will hear his voice, and harden not your heart. And we'll, we'll go down that stream another time. If you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession among all peoples, for the earth is mine. And you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. In First Peter, it says, You are a chosen generation a royal priesthood, a holy nation, that you should show forth the praises of him who has called you from darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. But this was originally a mandate for the nation of Israel to be a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. It was spoken to the people of Israel. Now, you remember that guy named Gideon? Remember? Almighty man of God. Who? Me? Right? Now, remember, after he led Israel in victory, this is what the men of Israel said to him in Judges chapter 8. It says, rule over us, you and your sons, and your grandsons also. For you have saved us from the hand of the Midians. I thought it was God that did that. You have saved us from the hand of the Midians. And Gideon says, I will not rule over you, and my sons will not rule over you. The Lord will rule over you. Israel did not like God reigning as king. They were seeking to have a man rule over them. And then you remember later, At the end of the Judges, there was this prophet named Samuel. And he didn't raise his sons real well, and Israel was concerned what would happen after Samuel died. And so they came to him, and they said, we want you to choose a king for us to rule over us, because we want to be like all of the other nations. Oh, but they were supposed to be a chosen people, a people set apart from all the other nations, a kingdom of priests to our God that God would rule and reign over. But no, 
we want to be like all of the other nations. And so Samuel was not happy, and he had a talk with God. And the Lord said, the Lord said to Samuel, Obey the voice of the people in all that they say to you, for they have not rejected you, but they have rejected me from being king over them. Then you remember that they chose a king. Well, Samuel chose a king, and they affirmed that king, and he, he was head and shoulders above all of the rest of them, and they really could follow his leadership. But even though his physical stature was great, his inner man was small, and he was filled with insecurities and fears. And so that man, Saul, God said to him, the kingdom I have torn from you and given it to another. God had found a man after his own heart, a man named David, a man who wanted nothing more than to build a house and a place for God's presence so that God's throne could be in Zion and God could rule over his people. He wanted to make a house for God. But do you remember on the other line, God said, no, I'm going to make a house for you And from your descendants, I am going to establish my king and my kingdom, which will rule over the nations forever. And then as we go down through Israel's history, we are given prophetic words that point to the coming of this kingdom. And so there's ones that you are very familiar with, like Psalms chapter 2. God says, as for me, I have set my king on Zion, my holy hill. I will tell you the decree the Lord said to me, you are my son, today I have begotten you. Ask of me and I will give you the nations for your heritage and the ends of the earth for your possession. This is one, the Messiah, who would rule over the nations. Understand, nations are in the heart of God. Nations are in the heart of God, and let me say, nations are in the foundation of this church, and that heart for the nations needs full resuscitation and awakening, because there is something greater for the nations in this house. But God's heart is for the nations. And again, another one, Psalms 45, the scepter of your kingdom is a scepter of uprightness you have loved righteousness and hated wickedness therefore god your god has anointed you with the oil of gladness above your companions the lord said unto my lord sit here until i make your enemies your footstool psalms 110 incredible psalms all pointing towards the coming of the messiah but i said At the end of the prophetic age, there came a prophet who was even greater than all of the prophets who went before him because his responsibility was was actually to point and make sure that Israel recognized the Messiah when he came on the scene. And so we have John the Baptist, the greatest of all the prophets, who sees Jesus coming and he declares, Behold the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. And then he declares unto them, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now, 
Again, if you had my wonderful PowerPoint in front of you, now I can, you can picture these clients coming down, the Messiah and all of the prophecies regarding him, the kingdom and all of the prophecies regarding him coming down to the apostle sent from God, sent from heaven, the only one who fully understood the eternal purposes and plans of God, come to establish a kingdom. Jesus, the Messiah, son of David, son of Abraham. Now, I just stopped for a second and I put a PowerPoint up here. And I put David and his kingdom. Now, there was a division that had taken place within the hearts of the people of Israel when Saul was ruling and then Saul died. We had Judah accepted David first before the northern tribes of Israel accepted David as king. But under David's rule, Israel became united, a united kingdom. And he set up his throne in Jerusalem. And so David has established his throne. And then after him came Solomon. And Solomon brought the nation of Israel to a place of its height. Through the wisdom that he received from God, he was able to establish the kingdom and its affluence and its reputation, its renown. The peace that he was able to establish under his reign was incredible. But then, even though he had wisdom for government, he didn't have wisdom for his own personal affairs to walk after the law of God. And so he multiplied to himself wives uh, who were from other nations, who then his desire to build uh, turned into building temples for these gods as well. By the end of his reign, he turned over the kingdom to his son Rehoboam, who did not use wisdom. And again, the nations are divided so that we now have the southern two tribes, Judah, along with Benjamin, and then we have the northern ten tribes. So I have those divided. And then under the northern tribes, so now we have a divided kingdom. This, these who were supposed to be a kingdom of priests, these, this nation who was supposed to be under God's rule, they who were supposed to be a light to the nations, they to whom the kingdom of God was supposed to be revealed to the nations, this nation had now become a divided nation themselves. And through idolatry and through an adulterous heart, they had turned away from God. And they kept seeking to be like the nations around them and kept seeking to make alliances with the nations around them. And they did not seek God and they did not seek his rulership and they did not seek his, his protection. And because they had chosen to have men as kings over them instead of God as kings over them, these men influenced the nations themselves. And that record was not really, really good. And so in the northern tribes of Israel, there were 19 kings, and they were bad, though some of them were very bad. And so after years of patience, after years of prophetic warnings, God allowed that nation to be scattered by the Assyrians, and they were, as a nation, completely dismantled. But we still had the southern tribes of Judah and of their 20 kings, we had six 
that did some or were mostly good. But there were 14 that were bad or a few that were very evil. And so after warning, all of the warning of the prophetic, and after God had used Israel as an example of the seriousness of the judgment and the discipline that would come, God allowed Israel to be taken into Babylon. And now we read as we go through that story that this nation, which were to be a kingdom of priests, were, they were allowed to return under Darius of the Medes, under Persia, under the rule of Cyrus, a king that was raised up, but only a remnant returned not the whole Israel. Many stayed. They had built houses. They had, they had established their, their businesses. They, their families were there. And many of them stayed in Babylon and never did return. There was a remnant that returned and the remnant that returned, they built the walls. They also rebuilt the temple, but the temple was nothing like okay, the temple that... Solomon had built nothing like the glory. The nation never rose to the glory. It was actually still a nation that was under Persia, even though they were allowed to return. So they never, they never experienced again being a nation under God like they had been. And then after Persia came Alexander the Great, and who subjected them. And then after. Alexander the Great and, and Greece's rule over them came Rome, led by Pompey in 63 BC. And by the time that Jesus comes on the scene, Israel was under Roman oppression, never rising to be the nation, the kingdom that they had been called to be. And Jesus came as the Messiah, but he came unto his own and his own did not receive him. They did not even recognize him. In fact, they crucified him. So the very Messiah that this nation was longing for to come was rejected and was crucified. And the, the nation of Israel never, never rose. And yet Jesus came on the scene and he came announcing... The kingdom of heaven is at hand. And he went about preaching and teaching the good news of the kingdom. So you remember in Isaiah 55, this messenger running across the mountains, and he is proclaiming good news, and the good news you sang about this morning, our God reigns, our God reigns. And it was a message that God, that God's king, God was going to return to Israel and God was going to restore his kingdom. And when Jesus came, he came as the fulfillment of that. He came as the good news. He came proclaiming the good news, the good news of a kingdom. Our God reigns. God is coming on the scene. The Messiah is here in your midst. And he began to go around and preach 
and to teach regarding the kingdom. He, he began to give an understanding about what the kingdom is like. He began to demonstrate the power of the kingdom, healing those who were sick and diseased, showing compassion, even raising the dead, casting out the demonic, showing an authority of the kingdom. Incredible. And then he sent out his twelve, and they went out announcing the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And they went healing the sick, and they went, they went casting out demons, and they went out cleansing the leper. And they came back rejoicing, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And then he sent out another seventy, and they went out announcing the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And they went out in the same power and anointing of the Messiah, going out into the villages and the towns, preparing the way of the Lord for the Messiah to come so the people's hearts would be open to receive their Messiah. And they went out healing the sick. They went out casting out demons. They went out cleansing the leper. And they came back rejoicing. And Jesus said to them, when you go to a town, if they receive you, declare the kingdom of heaven is at hand. But if they don't receive you, brush the dust off your feet and declare to them that you are doing it. But know this assuredly, the kingdom of heaven came to them. But they rejected it. Understand, he was announcing this kingdom. Jesus is that Messiah that was prophesied from the very beginning. Jesus is the anointed one. Jesus is the fulfillment of the covenant, the purposes, and the promises that God made from Abraham all the way through the prophets. He is the fulfillment. He is the anointed one. He is the one that carries the authority and the power of the kingdom. And his announcement, the kingdom of heaven, was not just some kind of lyrical prose. It was an announcement of the kingdom of heaven. And this kingdom that was prophesied, this kingdom, this rule of David, it was now coming on the scene to be established. He taught His disciples, seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. He taught them to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done, as in heaven, so on earth. We're talking about the kingdom of heaven. And before He left, He said to His disciples, all authority has been given unto me, both in heaven and on earth. Now you go and you make disciples of all nations. We're talking about a kingdom. All throughout Israel's history, all throughout the, the prophets prophesied about this kingdom that would come. They prophesied about this kingdom that would come. They prophesied about this kingdom that would come. While they were speaking to the nation of Israel, calling the nation of Israel back to repentance, warning the nation of Israel about what would happen in the midst of it, they prophesied the hope of the coming kingdom of God. Ezekiel prophesied it over and over again. Daniel, the whole book, prophesies the coming of the kingdom of God and its power over the nations. 
Zechariah prophesied it from beginning to end. Isaiah prophesied it throughout the whole of his book, prophesying the coming of the kingdom of God. And Jesus came proclaiming it and demonstrating it, and he left his disciples to announce the gospel of the kingdom and to demonstrate it, not just in word, but in power. And if you begin to read through the epistles, you will find, and through the book of Acts, understanding what Paul is doing when he is going to churches, it says he spent years teaching them about the kingdom of heaven and about Jesus the Messiah. The kingdom of heaven and Jesus the Messiah. The kingdom of heaven and Jesus the Messiah. Not how to feel happier. The kingdom of heaven... Not how does this fit into your life. The kingdom of heaven and Jesus the Messiah. How do you fit into that? How do you fit into that? In many places you can go to church week after week after week. You can go to Bible studies. You can, you can learn about them. But if you were to stop the person and say, what does it mean that you have been born again into a kingdom? That you have actually been born by the Spirit into a kingdom? What does it actually mean that that kingdom rules over your life and that you are a subject? And what is your calling and stewardship as a people who have been called out of the nations of the world to now belong to this kingdom? How do you walk that out? What is your authority and what is your... I didn't learn much of that when I was growing up. I grew up in church. And now when I'm talking to young people who have left, I find that they're going, wow, that's actually a cause. That's actually a cause to live for. Wow. So I'm just having a conversation. Just having a conversation, an awakening. That's all I'm doing. So I'm not doing a conclusion. If I were to do a conclusion, it would be something like this. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And I seriously mean that, that the kingdom of heaven is emerging and rising in a way never before. And the culmination of this plan and purpose is coming to a head. Repent. Have a change of mind. Awaken your minds. Fix your minds. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Or I might say, prepare ye the way of the Lord. Make his path straight. A highway for the Messiah, the King. A people prepared who will be willing in the day of his power. An army that is unentangled with the affairs of this world. A people who have been chosen out of the nations of the world. A kingdom of priests whose entire lives are sacrifices of worship a holy nation set apart 
a church. Let me move that word to the side to say ecclesia. A people who have been called out of the world and who have been called into a kingdom and who are called to represent that kingdom and reflect the glory of that Messiah. That's where we're going. It's a good place. Hallelujah. Now, Father, just continue the conversation with us. I'm believing that the word of God is going to open up to people as never before. The spirit that, spirit that you are going to bring revelations to our hearts. In the midst of our conversations, we're going to begin to talk about the kingdom. And we're going to begin, we're going to begin God, to be living this out at a level of understanding and engagement that we haven't before. And so I'm asking for, for me, Lord, that you would continue to enlarge my understanding. Lord, you said to me at the beginning of the year that my, my whole perception of things, my, my, my mind, I needed to begin to soak in certain areas so that my mind would open up. Otherwise, I would not have the capacity. I would have a smallness of mind and a smallness of perception and not be able to embrace the things that you wanted to do in the way that you wanted to do it. And so, God, I'm asking the same for each and every one of us here you would continue this work. I know you will, because it is your full intention to have a people who are walking in the anointing of the Messiah, who have the reign of the Messiah within their heart, and who, God, are completely set apart for the cause of the kingdom of God. And so, Lord, thank you for what you're going to do. Hallelujah.